0: Well, we're going to keep on talking about spiritual rhythms this morning. We've been doing that for the past couple of weeks. These things in our life that uh, they move our faith along. Uh, They they move our life along. They help us to become more of who God intends for us to be. And we've kind of said, hey, rhythms are things that are repeated. They're predictable. Uh, They happen over and over again. Um, And I'm just going to kind of put my cards on the table right from the get-go this morning and, and just acknowledge that I think today... Uh, today's rhythm that we're going to talk about, um, I think this is probably going to be the one that receives the most pushback. Uh, the, the, you guys are going to be like, nah, uh, I don't know about that one. Phil, I'm fine with the other rhythms, but not today's. You know, I'm fine with the other one. I, I get it. We talked in the first week about creating rhythms to connect with God, and you're like, that makes sense. That'll help my faith grow. Okay, I get that. We talked last week about creating rhythms to use the gifts that you have, what, what, what God has given you to kind of contribute to the world. You're like, I get that. You know, it's important to serve people, and that can help my faith grow. I think even next week, we're gonna talk about our faith grows when we have people in our corner moving us along and encouraging us. You're like, I agree with that, and I'm, I'm fine with that. But man, I don't, I don't like the one we're talking about today. I'm just, I'm just, I just think there might be a little pushback. I think today it might be, you know, hey, I don't wanna do that. I'm not going to do that, I'm afraid to do that, I can't do that, I've never done that before and I don't plan on starting today, not that rhythm feel, there's, we're, there's three other ones, it's three out of four, okay, can I do three out of the four rhythms and, and let me just push you, poke, prod you a little bit on that and say if that's your, your kind of visceral reaction when we talk about what we're talking about today, maybe, just maybe That's the nudging of the Holy Spirit saying that's actually the thing that you probably need to do for your faith to grow. It might be an important step to take. And so with that lead up, the rhythm that we're going to talk about today is creating rhythms in our life to have spiritual conversations with people, to have faith conversations with people. And let me kind of clarify what I mean by that. When I say having spiritual conversations with people, I'm not talking... Just about people that you're already comfortable talking about spiritual things with, right? This isn't, you know, your friend from church or work that you already have these conversations with. It's not your kids or your spouse or your parents. I'm talking about having spiritual conversations with the people around you that God puts in your path and opens up a doorway to talk about faith. And when I do talk about spiritual conversations, I'm also not meaning kind of the the vague, broad sense of spirituality that our culture currently has, where someone's like, well, you know, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Like, yeah, you and everybody else, we get it, right? Everybody's spiritual, but not religious. I'm talking about having conversations about Jesus. And when we talk about having spiritual conversations very specifically, I'm talking about sharing your story. Not just kind of a broad sense of, hey, there's this Jesus guy, let me talk about him, But sharing the story of who you used to be, what God through Jesus has done in your life, is currently doing in your life, and who you are now as a result of that. And that can take a couple different forms, right? Maybe you've got a story of when you first became a follower of Jesus, you first became a Christian. Maybe it's telling that story, and sometimes that's the story to tell, but oftentimes it's the smaller stories of what Jesus is continuing to do in our lives, uh, it's, it's the moments of, hey, you know, I used to, I used to ha- harbor a lot of, you know, bitterness and, and, and anger and unforgiveness and, and Jesus has taken that away from me and I have so much more peace and, and, and happiness now. It's telling that story. Maybe it's the story of I used to be so angry and had such a, you know, I would fly off the handle and I'm, I'm much more patient than I, than I used to be. Maybe it's a story of I, I experienced a lot of grief or loss or heartache and this is how Jesus carried me through that. So there's these different types of stories. But we need to create rhythms an a regular habit of our life to talk about, okay, who Jesus is, what he has done, what he is doing in us. And, and I know some of you are like, ah. You're so tense at that idea, right? Because it it's scary, okay? It's terrifying to put yourself out there in situations like that. Um, but here's what I wanna do today is maybe relieve some of that pressure a little bit and encourage us that you're not alone in doing that, uh, that the spirit is moving and working in you as you have those conversations. And the scripture is going to guide us in having those conversations. Scripture is is full of um, encouragement to have these kind of conversations. And scripture has some incredible examples of what does it look like to share our faith, share our story, talk about Jesus with other people. And so what I want to do for our time this morning is, is look at one example of this in Scripture, of someone having this kind of Jesus conversation with someone else. We're going to look at a few passages of scripture, but the primary one we're going to be in this morning is, is found in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8. Uh, if you've got a Bible with you and you want to turn there, you can go ahead and do that now. There's some Bibles at the back of the room if you would like a hard, uh, hard copy, you know, a cover, hard cover and hard copy. Um, or I'm going to have the words up on the screen as well. Uh, but Acts chapter 8. So Acts is written by a guy named Luke. Uh, Luke is a first-century doctor, also a first-century historian. Luke does really good history in the ancient world. Um, scholars, even non-religious scholars, look at the writings of Luke and say, yeah, like, names, dates, places, he's he's very meticulous, he's a good historian. Um, and so Luke, kind of in this uh, historical, like, investigative way, produces two different documents that are now a part of what we call the New Testament. He's got a two-part work. The first part is the Gospel of Luke. So Luke's uh, account of the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. And then there's a sequel to that, which is the book of Acts. And it records the first couple of decades of the, the Jesus movement, the church being launched and going out into the world. And, and we see just amazing examples of uh, God's spirit moving as the gospel goes out and lives are transformed. And, and, and literally the Roman Empire is kind of turned upside down because of this Jesus thing that's happening. And Luke records some of those uh, some of those accounts. And in fact, the the one the, the account we're gonna look at today is a good picture of what happens when the gospel goes out the spirit starts moving and lives are changed. So uh, Acts chapter eight, we're going to pick things up in verse 26. Here's what we read. That an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. So here is uh, our, first, our first player in today's account, a guy named Philip. Great name, by the way. Just Yes, it's my name, in case you didn't know. Hi, I'm Philip. Um, now, I, I, some of you already know this, but I feel like I have to mention it every time because it's a fun story. Uh, Philip here is spelled with one L. My name is spelled with two. And I'm sorry to do this to you, Dad, but I have to. I, I was uh, named after my dad's middle name, which is Philip. And when we are in the well, we, I guess I was there, I, didn't, I wasn't aware that I was there. When we're at the hospital, you know, mom gives birth, and they're doing the, filling out the birth certificate thing, and, and she asked Dad, "Are there one L? Is there one L or two in your name so I can spell it the same way?" And Dad says, "Hey, there's two Ls in my middle name. So I have two L's in my name. Come to find out later. My dad only has one L in his middle name. So is my name spelled wrong? I don't know, but I'm Philip with two L's. Philip here with one L, we'll say that that, that, that's the right way to to do it. But uh, an angel of the Lord speaks to Philip and gives this message to him. Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So earlier in Acts chapter 8, we see a lot of events happening around the area of Samaria. Uh, In fact, the gospel is being spread in this area of Samaria. The spirit is moving. People's lives are being transformed. It is like the happening place in terms of uh, the gospel activity at that time. And so Philip is there, and he's seeing all this, and he's seeing lives transformed. And all of a sudden, God comes to him and says, okay, I want you to leave. Uh, And it's going to be leaving with the expectation of going and telling some more people about Jesus. And so I want you to go, but... Where this angel tells Philip to go is kind of unexpected. There were two roads that led out of Jerusalem down towards the south, and he specifically mentions this one that goes down towards the south from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is what was called the old city of Gaza, and it was a deserted town at this point. It was just ruins. There was, there was nothing there. And so this road from where he is down to the old city of Gaza was hardly ever traveled. And so it's like, Philip's like, hey, wait, 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 you're, you're asking me to go from this place that seems like God is moving and God is working. I'm here in Samaria, and you're asking me to go down a road that hardly anybody ever travels, and there's nobody at the end of the road. That doesn't make sense. God's like, yeah, that's what I want you to do, because a lot of times God wants us to do things that doesn't make sense. And so Philip's like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go. So verse 27, he got up and, and went, and there was an Ethiopian man a eunuch and a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah out loud. And so now we're introduced to the next person in this account, this Ethiopian eunuch. And so we're going to see Philip sharing Jesus with an Ethiopian eunuch and some things to know about this eunuch so we, we know who exactly we're, we're talking about, who is receiving this good news and this account. Um, he, he's a high official, it says, of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, uh, most historians w- would agree that the Candace isn't actually a name, it's a, a dynastic title uh, for like the queen mother of the Ethiopians. And so someone's still very, very high in, in uh, kind of a governmental position, and this eunuch is a very high up official. So he's, he's kind of a big shot, he's important, he's, a, he's got power, he's a mover and shaker uh, in this Ethiopian kingdom. And also as a high official, he is a eunuch. A eunuch is simply a castrated male, okay, so we're all on the same page with that, if you don't know what that is. And this was a common practice in the ancient world for men who served in these foreign governments to be eunuchs. Uh, There was a sense and a thinking in which that made them less of a threat to want to seize power for themselves. Um, There was a thinking in which they thought that made them less of a threat to make a move on any of the king's harem of like mistresses and wives. Uh, And so these eunuchs served in these, these governmental positions. So we have an Ethiopian eunuch, but there's something uh, interesting about him in the fact that he is heading to Jerusalem to worship. And so, being an Ethiopian means he, he's he's not Jewish; he's a Gentile. He's not a, a you know a, a native Jewish person. He's not a Hebrew by by blood descent. But being a eunuch meant that he never could be either. See, there there was a process for Gentiles to become Jewish. To become a proselyte and you go through the whole process and you have to become circumcised if you're a male and you got to do the whole thing and follow the Jewish law. There was a process for that, but there was not a process for eunuchs to be able to do that. He is on the outside, permanently on the outside looking in, and yet, even though he is this outsider, There's still something about the God of the Jews that draws him there, that he wants to go to to Jerusalem to worship. And as he's on his way, not only is he on his way to worship, but he's reading some of the Jewish, the Hebrew scriptures. It said that he's reading the prophet Isaiah out loud. Uh, This is something I actually learned in preparing for this message that I didn't know, uh, that in ancient times, it it was not normal to read things in your head. It was normal to read things out loud. Today we've kind of flip-flopped that. It's, it's normal to kind of read things in your head. Reading out loud is the, the kind of abnormal thing to do, but it was the opposite then. So this guy's just kind of going about his business, doing what he would do, reading uh, the prophet Isaiah out loud. He's got the scroll there with him. And this is the scene in which Philip comes upon him. He sees this chariot coming, and the Spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot, which would be a strange, strange message to hear. You picture, you're on a road that's probably deserted, and all of a sudden you see a chariot coming. So not just simply, you know, some person walking or a person on a donkey. You see an entourage as this chariot comes, and he would have attendants with him, this important uh, foreign official making his way to Jerusalem. And the Spirit's like, go, just, just yeah, go on up to it. And you're like, are you sure? Because this seems, this seems strange. This doesn't seem like something I should do. The Spirit's like, yes, go. And here's the first thing I think we learn from Philip's uh, encounter here, as we think about creating rhythms to share our own story, is that we have to be open to the leading of God's Spirit. There's two times now where God prompts Philip to do something that doesn't seem like it makes sense. I want you to leave uh, Samaria. I want you to go on this road that seems like it goes nowhere. Are you sure? Yes, go. Okay, he goes. And now you're on this road. I want you to go join that chariot. Are you, are you sure about that? Yes, go join the chariot. And Philip listens. And he goes up to the chariot, and as he does, he can hear the Ethiopian eunuch reading uh, the the prophet Isaiah. Because, again, he's reading it out loud. And he asks him a question. And this is the second thing that I think is important for us to notice, is just the great questions that he asks. He asks this Ethiopian eunuch, do you understand what you're reading? So notice the first thing that he does is not go pound on the chariot door and say, hey, Mr. Ethiopian eunuch, if you were to die tonight, do you know where? Like he's not, he's not coming right away with like answers and saying, I want to give you an answer. I want to tell you what I think. I have a script that, that, that I'm just going to go off of regardless of where you are or what you, you're thinking. He begins the conversation with a question. He begins the conversation by saying, hey, 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 do you, do you understand what you're reading? It's a simple question, but it's very intentional. It's very pointed. Because regardless of however this Ethiopian eunuch is going to respond, it's going to further a conversation to where, do you understand what you're reading? The Ethiopian eunuch's gonna answer and then Philip can come with something else. Do you understand what you're reading? He asks a really good question. He asks a really good question. And the eunuch responds, how can I? How can I understand it unless someone guides me? And so he invited Philip to come up And sit with him. He asked him to come sit with him. And so now the door is kind of starting to open. Climb aboard. Come up in my chariot. What do you have to say? And Luke reiterates for us that the passage of scripture that this eunuch was reading was this. Again, this is from the the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he quotes it here. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe this generation for his life is taken from the earth? Now, in the New Testament, whenever we come across a passage that that references the Scripture, uh, this is usually talking about the Old Testament. At the time that this was was taking place, the New Testament, as we know it, did not exist at this time. Uh, And so a little bit later, you'll see some references, like Peter references something the Apostle Paul says as being Scripture. But for the most part, whenever you read the phrase the Scriptures in the New Testament, it's referring to the Old Testament which is referring here to this, pa- this passage from, uh, again, the prophet Isaiah. And it's a very pointed, a very specific passage of Isaiah 53. It's the passage of the suffering servant. This passage that becomes this crucial key point, especially in the early church, as a launching off point for who Jesus is and what he has done. Th- this passage that describes the sufferings of Jesus to a T 600 years before Jesus walks the earth. In this passage that talks about uh, that this servant, the suffering servant, would be pierced for our transgressions, he would be crushed for our iniquities, that the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And so here's this eunuch reading this this passage uh, about the suffering that would come. and and, and Philip is hearing this, and I, and I don't know this for sure, but I would imagine that as he's walking up to this chariot, like there's got to just be this grin on his face of, of like, are you kidding me of all the things you could be reading right now? You're reading that. This is perfect. What an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. You happen to be reading this thing that points to him so, so clearly, so clearly. And so he's, he's reading this passage, and the, right, the Ethiopian eunuch has said, hey, come up in my chariot with me. And, and, and Philip asks him the question, do you understand what you're reading? And the, the eunuch responds, well, uh, how can I unless someone understands it? And then he asks another question. I ask you, who is the prophet speaking about, himself or someone else? So it's the second uh, kind of invitation that the eunuch extends towards Philip. the first invitation, come sit with me. The second invitation, come explain this to me, tell me a little bit more. and, and so if, if we're if we're tracking with the pattern, right, it starts with with Philip being moved by the spirit two different times. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go down this road and I'm gonna go up to this chariot. It moves to him listening and hearing what this Ethiopian eunuch is saying and he's reading uh, the prophet Isaiah. It moves on to a great question. Hey, do you understand what you're reading? And then after all of that, the invitation uh, for him to, to, to contribute to the conversation, the invitation for him to explain something is extended by the Ethiopian eunuch. Come sit with me and tell me what does this mean? It's like, boom, the door is open for a spiritual conversation right there. And Philip jumps right into it. He, he jumps at this opportunity, and it says that he proceeded to tell him, Philip proceeds to tell this Ethiopian eunuch the good news about Jesus, the good news about Jesus. And I think this is one of the most significant things about sharing our story, and one of the things that gets us tripped up the most, one of the things that gets us worried the most, is we sometimes forget that this is the good news about Jesus it's not about me. It's not about me having all the the perfect answers or all the explanations to everybody's questions. It's not about me somehow convincing someone or showing somebody this has to be absolutely right. It's not about my efforts or my earning or look what I've did and I'm a Christian now. Let me tell you all these things. It's like, no, no. The good news primarily is, is a story about Jesus. And so that's where Philip begins. It's very reminiscent of something the Apostle Paul says. He's writing to the church in Corinth. He writes a couple of letters to that church. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says this. He writes to these Corinthian believers and he says, For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. And so as he talks about himself and the other leaders in the church, his other kind of companions in the the ministry, Paul's like, hey, what you need to, to know is the message that we have for you is not a message of just listen to what we say, just do what we say, and we're so great, you should just be like us. He's like, no, our message is a message of look at Jesus. We have a proclamation of the good news about King Jesus, the crucified, risen King of the universe. It's a story about him. It's not about us. He says, it's about Jesus, and we are your servants for his sake. We're here to serve you by bringing you this gospel all for the glory of Jesus. For the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, we have this treasure in clay jars so that the extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. And so Paul tells the Corinthians, hey, the thing that I am proclaiming to you is Jesus, the Jesus who changed me, the one who transformed me, the one who has shown light, who brought light into my darkness, the one who brought healing into my brokenness, the one who brought forgiveness into my shame and hope into my despair. I want to tell you about him, the one who has changed me and the one who can change you i am a living breathing example of the transformative power of jesus in someone's life let me tell you what he has done for me and what he can do for you see that's the power of a story that's the power of a story you you can argue and dismiss arguments from scripture you can argue and dismiss uh, religion or christianity or faith and you can come up with all kinds of excuses for why that's not right and why i don't believe that but it's really hard to dismiss someone's story it's really hard when someone is standing in front of you, when you're telling someone, listen, this is who I used to be. I'm not that person anymore. And the only explanation is this crucified, risen Jesus. He is the reason that I am different. And you may not believe me, but I'm just telling you, this is my story. And it has nothing to do with me. I didn't change myself. He changed me. We do not proclaim ourselves, but Jesus Christ as We don't share our stories to gain clout or to gain notoriety or to say, hey, look at us. We share our stories because it points to the one who is the true hero of the story. It points to the main character in the story, the one the whole story is all about. It's all about Jesus. And whenever we have that perspective of it's about him, it's not about me, that honestly makes sharing our story a lot less awkward for everyone involved. Because for, for me and for the person I'm talking to, it takes the pressure off of feeling like I have to convince someone or I have to have everything all perfect. It's like, no, no, this is just a true story of what's happened and the one who did it. And so we proclaim this message. And this is, this, this is what Philip jumps into. As soon as that door is opened by the Ethiopian eunuch, he's like, great, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about what he's done. Not about me and not, not about you know, all these different things. But let me just tell you about this, this person, this thing that has happened in history. Let me tell you about Jesus. And so back to their encounter, right? He begins to tell them the good news about Jesus, and he begins, Luke tells us he begins with that scripture, that scripture being Isaiah 53, that that suffering servant. But he begins with that scripture, I think that probably means he went on to some other scriptures, so he just began there. And we don't know what he went to next, but I would imagine... Um, that Philip, knowing the scriptures as he did, probably continued on with the prophet Isaiah. It seems as though the eunuch has the Isaiah scroll somehow there in uh, the chariot with him. Uh, And and Philip's like, all right, well, you, you want to start with Isaiah? Let's just keep rolling with Isaiah. Isaiah 53, great place to start. But as you read then Isaiah 54, Isaiah 55, Isaiah 56, the following chapters, you begin to see the implications of, okay, because of this suffering servant, what's true now of the world? what will be true of people and humanity. And so we begin to read things about this new covenant, this new relationship between God and people. We read about this new creation, how all things are gonna be redeemed. And we begin to read about blessing for outsiders and foreigners and even eunuchs. I have a hard time imagining that, that Philip, knowing the Old Testament scriptures, if he had that there in front of him, knowing he's talking to a eunuch, knowing that he's starting in Isaiah 53, wouldn't flip the page over to Isaiah 56. A couple chapters later in Isaiah 56, we read this, that this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, for them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name. It will endure forever forever. And to foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, to all who keep the Sabbaths without desecrating it, and to those who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain, and I will give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations." that because of what this suffering servant, because of the, the person and the work of Jesus, everyone is invited in, the outsiders, the foreigners, even the eunuchs. And it would seem in whatever scripture that Philip went to, whatever he began to unpack, it landed and it made an impact on this Ethiopian official. Because the next thing we see him doing is responding. Verse 36, as they were traveling down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's water. What should keep me from being baptized? And so the eunuch receives, he hears this message of, wait a minute, that's good news. And that's not just good news for people over there, for the Jews in Jerusalem. It's not just good news for other people. It's good news for me. I'm invited into this, and so, yes, let's go. I'm diving in. And we see this pattern emerge in the, in the New Testament of people responding in faith to the gospel of Jesus. They hear the gospel and they respond in faith and repentance and baptism and say, I'm all in. And that's the response that this eunuch has. It sounds like good news. It sounds like good news. And so he ordered the chariot to stop and both Philip and eunuch went down, Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him, which I would imagine would be quite a scene. Because right? again, he wouldn't just be traveling on his own. There'd be a kind of an entourage with him. And he's just like, all right, stop. Everyone's like, what's happening yeah me and this strange guy got to go get in that water over there like okay i guess you're in charge and he's like yeah i gotta go i gotta do this right now because when the spirit's moving the spirit's moving the gospel changes lives and this eunuch's like okay i'm in i'm in when they came up out of the water the spirit of the lord carried philip away and the eunuch did not see him any longer but look at what the eunuch does he goes on his way rejoicing He goes on to do whatever he was going to do, but he goes on doing it not the same as he was before. He's now going rejoicing. He's now filled with the joy of the Lord. That some random encounter with this strange person on this this, this deserted road changed his life, and the joy of the Lord flowed into his heart, and it changed everything. At the beginning of that day, that, that eunuch had no clue that his life was going to be eternally changed, but it was. And here's what I don't want us to miss when it comes to talking about our stories and creating rhythms to share our stories. You have no idea when and how God might use your story to do something similar. That your story may be the thing that connects the gospel story to somebody's life, and it brings the joy of the Lord into their lives to where after their encounter with you, they go away rejoicing, not because of you, but because they met the Jesus who's changed you. We don't want to withhold that from people, right? We want to we be like, hey, this is what God has done. He can do this for you. And we want to see people going away rejoicing like the eunuch. The account wraps up this way that Philip then, after he's carried off by the Spirit, he appears in Azotus. And what was he doing there? He was traveling and he was preaching the gospel in all the towns until he came to Caesarea. He goes away preaching the gospel. He's like, all right, on to the next. On to the next. i got to tell more people. i got to share this story. Other people got to know. Other people got to know, Jesus has changed my life. How could I possibly keep it to myself? He's done this for everyone. So we begin to think about creating rhythms in our life to share our story, to talk about, again, either that that initial faith story that we have, if you have that, or the, the journey that you're on. If you haven't even gone all the way in on Jesus yet, if you're still curious, you still have a story to tell if he's doing something in you. If you've been following Jesus for 50 years, you've got new stories all the time as he continues to transform you. But as we begin to talk about sharing our story, those big ones, those small ones, everything in between, I think there are some things that we can learn from Philip's encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch and from the words of the Apostle Paul. I think the first thing that we learn in creating a rhythm to share our story is we need to pay attention to where God is leading. What's God doing? What's his spirit up to? The spirit of God is still at work in our world today. The Spirit of God is at work in us as followers of Jesus, but the Spirit of God is at work drawing people to Himself. The Spirit of God is stirring in hearts, drawing people to Himself through, through circumstances and, and things that have happened. You have no idea what God might be doing in the people around you every single day through a circumstance in their life, through something that somebody else has said, through something that they stumbled upon, whatever that looks like. God is moving. When God opens opportunities, as we, he, he will op, open opportunities up as we, as we dare to, to follow the Spirit's leading and say, I don't know, I don't know, but I just feel like I should say something. I feel like I should step in there. And, and, and as we follow that prompting, the Spirit of God is at work changing people. And so we need to pay attention to where God is leading. And leads to this question, where is God leading us to have faith conversations? You think about work, school, home, neighborhood. Where might God be leading you to have a faith conversation with someone. For some of you, you may be sitting here actually thinking of someone already. You're like, oh man, I already know. Because someone had a conversation with you at work. Or someone at school is going through something. Or someone mentioned, when your neighbor in passing mentioned something to you, and you know that feeling when that thing rises up, it's like, ah, I should say something. I should say something. Listen to that prompting of the Spirit. God may be opening a door for you to share your story and who he is. So we pay attention to where he's leading, then we listen. It's like Philip, he goes up to the, the, the chariot, he hears the Ethiopian eunuch reading Isaiah 53. We start from a posture of listening. When we listen, we begin to discover, okay, where, where is this person at? What do they need to hear? What have, what have they been through? What does life look like? Where are they open? When we listen to someone's story, we hear their story of joy, we hear their story of pain, we hear a story of maybe how they've been hurt by church or religion in the past. We hear a story uh, that that allows us to connect to them as a human. When we begin to listen to people, we treat people as people, not just projects. Right? If we don't listen to people, it just becomes, you're just a project, I gotta just give you Jesus, and then I'm on to the next, and let me just like, put that on my tally. But whenever we actually listen, we begin to say, you, you are a person that God loves you, and he wants to do something in your life. And so we, we listen first, we follow Philip's example, we ask good questions, Ask good questions. Don't, don't automatically come with answers unless someone is asking you, hey, what, what do you think about this? But ask good questions. Ask a, ask a question like, well, that's what's really interesting. Tell me more about that. Hey, I, I have a different perspective on that than you do. I, how did you come to that conclusion? Why do you think that that is? Hey, I'm really sorry that you're, you're going through that. Is there anything I can do for you? Hey, I've, I've actually been through something similar. Would you, would you mind if I shared a little bit with you? ask good questions ask good questions and after we pay attention to where the spirit is leading and we we listen we ask good questions then we humbly talk about what god is doing in our lives humbly because remember it's about jesus it's not about us it's about jesus it's not about it's not it's it's not our merits it's not things that we have done that jesus is the main character not you and as you do that allow that to take the pressure off of you to know you know what it's, it's, it's about him anyway. He changes lives, not me. I don't have to have this pressure. And it also, here's the really good news, it takes the pressure off of us having to be perfect. Because if you're like me, maybe you've had this, this thought pop in your head one time, who am I to tell them anything about faith or God or Jesus because I'm still a mess? I would imagine I'm not the only person that's thought that. I still got my own junk. Who am I to talk to anybody else? But whenever we, we make Jesus the main character and the hero of the story, we go, wait a minute, I'm still a work in progress and he's still changing me. And that can be a part of my story. That can be a part of my story. Hey, I don't have this all together. I'm still a work in progress. I'm still a mess. But Jesus is doing this in me, and he wants to do it in you as well. We humbly talk about what God is doing in our lives. And we do it with confidence because it's our story. Nobody can tell you that your story of what God has done in your life isn't true. Right? And so we're just humble about it. We trust in God through the whole process. And this, you know, this takes practice, right? Sharing our story and getting comfortable with that and and knowing what that looks like, it takes practice. And so uh, we've created a little bit of a tool for you to practice this here at our church uh, if that's something you are interested in doing. Um, And and so we would love to give you an opportunity for you to share your story with our church. And so uh, today, this week, uh, next week, if you go to to our website, hcminerva.church, a little next steps launcher down in the left-hand corner, you click on that. You'll see that the highlighted next step, there's a thing that just says, share your story. And that's a place for you to upload like a video testimony of your story. And again, it can be your coming to faith story, or it can be, hey, God's just doing this in my life right now. But, you know, pull your device out, flip that thing around, don't actually flip it around, hit the button that turns it, okay, towards you. Don't be that person that's turning your phone around. (laughs) Or you can do the looking in the mirror thing, but just record like a short, hey, here's what god is doing in my life here's who i used to be here's what jesus has done uh, and and here's what he can do for you short sweet to the point here's what that's going to do it's going to remind you of how god is working in your life and it's going to give an opportunity for your church to be encouraged by what god is doing in your life so i encourage you to do that as a step towards uh, being able to to share your story listen i said at the beginning um that there are probably more pushback on, on this particular message than, than the other ones in this series. Of like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll connect to God, and I'll serve, and I'll connect to other people, but maybe I'm going to hold off on the sharing, my story part. I get that. Listen, I, I know that some of you are like, I ain't doing that. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'm not naive. I know every single week I stand up here and talk, and I'm like, yeah, you guys are like, Phil's full of it. I'm not doing any of that. I get that. Um, but, man, for, for, for this, I'm telling you, it's your loss if you don't develop this rhythm. There, there are, of the rhythms that we're talking about, I think there are very few that have the potential to grow your faith like this one does. Of the things that are in our control, because God grows our faith with things that aren't in our control sometimes, but there are certain things that are in control, the rhythms are things that we, we put into practice, and of all the things that we can control, I think this one has the potential to grow your faith more or in a different way than the other ones. Because when we create a rhythm to share our story, one of the, one of the things that happens, first off, is we remind ourselves that God is at work in our lives. Sometimes it gets really easy to forget that. And we just think, I'm I'm just kind of a lost cause. I'm not making any progress. Nothing's getting any better. But whenever we are regularly sharing with someone else, like, man, God is actually doing something in my life. This is really cool. Sometimes we lose sight of that. And we need reminded of that. But also whenever we share our story, it puts us in a a posture of really total dependence on God in a way that other things just don't. Because we put ourselves out there and it's like, okay, God, I need you to come through on this. Because if not, I am up a creek right now. Okay, I, I need you. And so there's this reliance upon him. It deepens our prayer life as we're really reliant upon him. It, it deepens kind of our, 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 our attentiveness to the spirit as we're looking for those opportunities. And it also kind of clarifies and steps on our toes a little bit because it shows us maybe those areas where we're more concerned about what other people think of us than about doing what's right in the eyes of Jesus. So I'd encourage you to create some rhythms to start sharing your story to see how they grow other people's faith, but to see how that also grows your faith as well. I pray for you. God, thank you so much that you are the God who is redeeming our stories, Um, that our stories are all still works in progress. Uh, But God, you invite us to attach our story to yours, to a greater story, to the story of of Jesus, of who he is and what he has done and what he's continuing to do, Uh, that our story can be a story of redemption through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that you would remind us of the way that you have worked and are working in our lives. God, I pray that you would give us just the courage and the wisdom to know how and when and where to share those stories. And God, I pray as we do that, that we would trust you more and more and that other people may see your goodness. We pray this in Jesus' name.